0: music, art, and black culture. You are listening to Blacks with Blues. welcoming you back to Blacks With Blues. My name is Justin Jones, your host, your vibe curator of this very specific, humid, late summer afternoon, rainy vibe. Like most days in the studio, we have a very special and talented guest. But before we get into that, I just want to officially welcome you all to the new and improved Blacks With Blues podcast. Delving into Black identity so no one ever, ever gains the audacity to define us for us. That's what we're here for. So before we get into that Black identity, the interview, our special guest, we're going to ride this vibe, experience some different textures, because this is what it sounds like to be Black and with the blues. Blue Studio for the very first time one of my favorite artists one of the most easily one of the most influential women in my life today dear friend uh, sweet human being very knowledgeable strong smart all the better adjectives to describe superwoman Uh, ma'am please introduce yourself
1: hi everyone my name is Leah Zamore. I am a artist, born and raised in Miami, Florida, and I found myself here in the Motor City not too long ago. I came up here for school, at College for Creative Studies, and I started working up here, and I am a fine artist, illustrator, designer, photographer, um i do video work as well there's just all sorts of stuff in the mix
0: so because this podcast is very much so deeply rooted in the identity of the black individuals who are on the show tell me a little bit about you know how your identity has come to be what it is today Um, especially you being a black woman who is an artist um you know how is that identity shaped into what it is today
1: my identity didn't really come into fruition until i was much older Mm You know, I grew up not really being aware that I was black and then becoming painfully aware that I was black. Um, From a very young age, I went to a very diverse church school up until, what, first grade. And there were all different types of kids there and we're all young and innocent and, you know, race was not really, anything that we thought about. We just wanted to play and whatever. So that's not really something that I was conscientious of. And then I transferred to a prestigious private school from second through sixth grade, where I was the only black kid out of a class of 90. And these are kids who lived on the beach. They had parents who were you know, very, very rich lawyers and doctors, and they lived in mansions and had maids and stuff. And it's just like, I didn't come from that. And, you know, just the cultural differences were very strange, very different. And at such a young age, seven years old, that's the first time that I ever became aware, painfully aware. It was like confronting me, you know? Like, hold up, little girl, like who you thought you was. (laughs) And um, yeah, and I'm not even gonna lie. That was probably the first and the beginnings of me kind of wearing my blackness with shame because the way that people, kids, not people, like, really cruel kids would look at me look down on me the way they would talk to me the way that i was treated at that time in my life it was so different from what it was that i had been exposed to from a much younger age at the school before becoming painfully aware of things that you never really thought about Mm -hmm. you know there was definitely a identity crisis that ensued after that
0: so when it comes to race relations today for you because it sounds like based off of that setting that you were in for a lot of black youth we're kind of reaped of our childhood and our innocence when it comes to our perception of race and race relations um and just what skin is more desirable than others um, how does that impact your views on racism today? But you know what, more importantly, actually, how did that affect your views on racism when you were a child, when you were a black youth? Because I feel like a lot of the time, black youth, that's how we are demised. I wasn't
1: really aware of the issues with racism yeah. until I actually started experiencing it mm. from the ages of, like, 13. I think I was 14 when I experienced it for the first time, um... I was a CIT, a counselor in training at a summer camp. And I was there with my best friend and she had a friend too. We were all like 13, 14 years old. And one of the counselors, she proudfully proudly claimed herself, proclaimed herself a redneck. She was from like Alabama or something. And one day, We were wrapping up an activity with like the seven eight-year-old kids and the kids had left and this woman held all three of us back to speak to us and not my best friend but her friend the other girl who was with us she was from philadelphia and they have a certain way that they speak and she kind of let that out a few moments prior so she wanted to address that this woman wanted to address that and she said leah olivia my best friend i want you you guys need to hear this and then she went to address this young 13 year old girl you are not black you are not like them you are better you should speak like it. And it was one of those surreal moments. I felt like I was in the twilight zone. Mm -hmm. And my best friend and I looked at each other, like, is this for real? Mm -hmm. And we kind of, she dismissed us, and this girl was crying, she burst into tears. And we just kind of walked back to the main community area, like, we can't believe this just happened. Obviously, I went home and told my parents, and my best friend went home and told hers, and it got to the head of the camp the following day, and it just blew up into this whole thing. And of course, this woman apologized, she was in tears, this is not what she meant, she's not like this, but the damage was already done. You know, once you tarnish someone's innocence, you can't really take that back. And that was the first time I had ever, like, it had ever been directed or indirectly directed at me. And it was a very strange thing. No, I mean, it
0: has to be. As
1: little as it seemed. I'm,
0: and I don't even think of that as something that's little because it was just so overt and blatantly racist right in front of you as a child. But um, into your artistry, right? So tell me, tell me you're just your relationship with art over the years.
1: Art has always been something that I've loved. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about my experiences as a black woman. <laughs> Art is something I've always loved, I picked up a pencil when I was five and I just kept practicing and practicing and I went to high school for it. High school, I wasn't really passionate about it. At the time, art was just something I could do. I was a kid who could draw. And at the time, I was pretty much drawing the same thing, fairies and mermaids, I was kind of like the mystical fantasy kid. Uh, And then I went to high school and I was learning how to actually draw like fruits and forms and whatever and faces. So I became pretty decent, good at drawing people. But then it wasn't until I went to college that I started experimenting and asking myself these questions. What does art mean to me? You know, I look at my high school sketchbooks and they're kind of embarrassing because there's no substance to them yeah, sketchbooks are places that, sketchbooks are things that you can really just draw whatever you want and explore whatever you want. There's not a lot of exploring. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of questions that I'm asking myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as an artist, that's very important. We should always be questioning ourselves and challenging ourselves. And I just wasn't at that stage at that time in my life. It wasn't until college and at the end of college, I started really... Thinking about what art meant to me, the role that it plays in my life, and how can I further explore and express my experiences as a Black woman. And I pull from, you know, some of these traumatic experiences. I pull from being a Black woman with natural hair. The stigma that comes with that. I'm so happy that We have women now who are embracing their natural textures. We have little girls growing up now that are not ashamed of their natural hair. They don't want the creamy crack. They don't want that kitty texturizer, you know, because they can look at older women and be like, I want my hair to look like hers. We have dolls, Barbie dolls that have like natural hair. You know, like, representing and inclusion is really important. The stuff that we didn't have when we were growing up. So, I pull from all of that, and I went from being that person who was just, like, drawing just to draw to exploring different mediums, you know? Like, when I was in high school, I was introduced to photography. And I didn't really care about it that much, but I've, I've actually grown really, really passionate about it through college and now, you know? I enjoy drawing still, that will always be my first love. Um, Painting a little bit. I don't actually paint in the sense of a painter, but like I enjoy doing washes and using watered down colors uh, and splashing it here and there into my work. Uh, Tracing paper, you know, like basically gluing, not really gluing, but like just like fixing a traced drawing onto an unconventional surface and working over it. So a little bit of mixed media, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly pushing myself to see what else can I do? You know, I've never done this before. How will this work? if I introduce this new technique, or this new color, or this new whatever, how will this look? Will I like it? And it's kind of funny because sometimes I get afraid, like, oh, I've never done this before. I don't know if I wanna do it. I don't know how it's gonna look. I'm gonna mess up. <laughs> but you have to. Like, That's what artistry is about, no matter what you do. So, um, As an artist, I say, you know, yeah, I'm that independent black woman, self-care and totally carefree and just trying to constantly answer that question in terms of how do I define my art? I'm still defining it, you know, like you've seen my sketches. I love drawing and just representing for us. You know, I draw way more black people than I do any other type of ethnicity. (laughs) But um, I'm constantly trying to define what that is. And I feel like if you can define what your art is and if you can define who you are as an artist, then you've got a lot of work to do. I feel like you should always be questioning and challenging whatever you think that is. I don't wanna be the artist that I am today. I don't wanna be that person tomorrow. And then whoever I am tomorrow, I don't want to be who that is the next day. You know, like you should constantly be evolving. And I feel that as artists, your art will mean nothing if you don't try to question who you are and what you stand for and what's important to you and what you're trying to express. And you change every day. Like, look at this room we're in. You're changing it every time I come in here. We're constantly changing we're constantly faced with new experiences on the regular. So it's like, you have to be able to kind of incorporate that into your identity. So I think that plays a valuable role in how our art comes out.
0: I think that's one of the most valuable lessons. One of the many lessons that you've taught me since we've been friends is that it's all a process, right? So you as an artist, I just really love that you said that the person that you are today, you don't want to be that person tomorrow. And it just really resonates with me because as an artist, we just beat up on ourselves so hard. We don't really remember the fact that you are allowed to grow at your own pace. Um, and it's not about greatness. It's really about your personal journey as an artist. And I think sometimes I forget that. I think everybody does. But I think it is really important to remember, like you said, Your work will mean nothing if you don't question yourself, but question yourself in that healthy way. I want to get better for me. I don't want to get better because everyone else is doing that and I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, so we're going to go to a music break really quick. I'm going to get right back into things, uh, talk a little bit more about how we know each other. Like we talked about your artistry and and blackness and all that so far. So I want to get more into us. So we're going to go into this music and we'll be right back. just like uh mentioning a while ago is um how we know each other and uh we came about knowing each other which is really funny to me so um about a year ago when I moved back home to Detroit um I was looking for art shows to go to and I think um I forgot the time of year I think it was around April um Black Women Rock was an art show and that's how we met now see that night was very crazy for me because I met a lot of really dope people and you yourself included um, but so give us a recap because I blacked.
1: out. <laughs> yeah. Concert. So black women rock. Um, I think there's three components to it. Mm-hmm. So there is a the art show. Mm-hmm. There's a concert. Yep. And then there's like an artist talk, yep. I believe.
0: And you were at the
1: show. I was at the art show. Yeah. And
0: um, I remember mm-hmm. seeing that as well on Instagram. It's just great how a millennial can live their right life centered around Instagram. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's like my go to. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: So. Um, I found the show on Instagram. I decided to go. I walk in, I check out the work. And as soon as I see yours on the wall, I didn't like fully realize that the picture that I saw, like maybe five, four months prior on Instagram was the same picture in front of me until I started talking to you. So I remember walking up to you, you you were the glitter girl that night. Yeah. You had, you <laughs> like, had glitter, you, she was looking great, y'all. She was looking good. <laughs> <laughs> she was put together. And I remember walking up and I'm like super just like-
1: Are like, you the artist? You?
0: <laughs> like, like a ninth grader on the first day of school, where's the gym? Like, are you the artist? And I was like, are you the artist? And I remember we just, I felt like we delved so quickly into us talking We about really it. did. Yeah, we, I we went, went from, from like, like, oh, wow. who are you? To like, this is why you're amazing, and I need to hear more about you right now. Yeah. And like, I kind of blacked out, so I'm gonna need you to exp- like explain the it rest. It was, was so
1: <laughs> funny. Um, first of all, you know, Justin, you are so lovable, and <laughs> you just shine so much light. You're just like a bowl, of, like a pocket of sunshine. But meeting you for the first time, I was like, wow. This guy's like really, really into this. He's really friendly. It was overwhelming. <laughs> but in a good way, because look at our friendship now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like Justin he, he came up to me. I was like standing around within the vicinity of my work, and he just like, excuse me, are you the artist? <laughs> and I think you had some of your friends with you, and I was like, Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God, first of all, you are gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. And then we started talking about my work. He wanted to understand my thought process behind my pieces. My pieces were uh, different depictions of black women exploring the I totally forgot the word. Hair narratives.
0: That's
2: no, what I mean, said at once. Yeah,
1: hair time. narratives. But I wanted to say, um, the flexibility mm-hmm. of afro textured hair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was we were talking about I think each and every piece. Mm-hmm. Each and every piece and I kind of went into the technical aspects of it, like how I actually made them. Uh, the pieces were actually four by six drawings that I had blown up. Um, and was able to get them, I think they were all at least a foot and a half by two feet, a large prints. And I just went into why the flexibility of textured hair is so important to me. Being a woman who is natural, a black woman who does wear her natural hair, and being that Justin wears his <laughs> natural hair. So, um, that was something for us to kind of relate to each other about and just knowing the history and the stigma that has come with being natural for so long and why it's so important that we're pretty much claiming it back right now and that is just such a very important and beautiful thing and i just remember going into detail about one of the pieces saying that um, I think it was the one that you were talking about, the uh, profile the braids, yeah. of the braids with the, the, the back facing. Mm-hmm. So I basically said, this is kind of you know, an ode to myself, a letter to myself, my 10-year-old self. Yes,
0: I remember that, oh, I'm triggered. Yeah, <laughs> keep going.
2: It was
1: a letter <laughs> to my 10-year-old self, you know, and back then, 10 years old, I hated my hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't like my hair. It never, I, first of all, I hated my hair for many different reasons. Aside from being surrounded by white kids with long, silky hair, I could never wear the styles that they were wearing. My mom also didn't really help me very much. My mom has been relaxed all my life. She can grow very long hair. Her hair's been super long. And she's been able, she's cut it because she felt like it, you know, so it's not that I can't grow my hair, but my mom did not really have much experience with natural hair. She never embraced that for herself. So she didn't really know how to properly take care of mine when I was younger. And it just kind of came to like, oh my God, I can't wish, I can't wait to get a relaxer so that it would be easier for me to deal with my hair. Now, I did get relaxed. I believe I was relaxed when I was, when I turned 12. But I was only relaxed from the ages of 12 to like 15, almost 16 years old. So not a very long time. But in that time, you know, I liked the relaxer. You know, that was before I realized how bad it was and my hair was not thriving. But like before that, I just really hated my hair. So this piece, was kind of like a journal entry, you know, what would I say to my 10-year-old self? And it would just be words of encouragement, words of love, self-love that I did not have, and words telling me that I am beautiful. No matter what I think at that time, I have always been beautiful and I always will be beautiful. And honey, like you 24, you are goddamn beautiful. (laughs) So um, just Pouring that love that I have for myself now, as a grown woman, back into my insecure, young childhood self, you know? And it takes time. I feel like all of us, at some point or another, we don't have that love for ourselves. We're constantly trying to fit in. We're so susceptible to bullying and what other kids, other people think of us, that we believe it and our self-esteem is pretty much non-existent. And it takes time, it takes time to grow up, to expand your horizons, to meet different types of people who offer you different things, can teach you different things. And it's not really until you gain those different perspectives and see those different types of behavior that you're able to show yourself any kind of love, any kind of respect. And I didn't really start, you know, experiencing that until I was in college. Mm. I've had a lot of insecurities, not just my hair, you know, but there was a point when I was kind of figuring out who the hell I was, especially high school and college. I didn't know who the hell I was, you know? And it was literally towards the end of college, really, that I kind of stepped into myself. It's like, this is who I am. Mm. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And that's kind of blossomed even more, you know, the older that you get. Yeah,
0: and I was blown away, as I am right now, (laughs) reliving that whole situation. And, you know, I think I'd never even thought about it, but what's ironic about that piece is the fact that you know you explained the amount of love that you want to pour back into your 10 year old self mm-hmm. and the fact that the hairstyle in the image is a protective style. Yeah. It's a protect. and did you like
1: actually? Yeah. No. Dude. Hey, a- hey. A- because I was yeah, wondering I, I mean, cause, yeah
0: because you're an amazing fucking artist so why would you not purposely do that? So like that's really amazing like the fact that one it's a protective style opposed to something completely not protective and horrible for your hair right. as a texturizer or perm or something like that. You went to the full other side of the spectrum, and you did this profile mm-hmm. with a, just a, and it was so powerful because it's just I've always been attracted to just the, just the aesthetic of how something looks with you know it's back to you know the viewer. And yeah. it's just a profile. Like, yeah. I just have always loved that ever since, like, I've just started, started getting into, like, visual works. Mm-hmm. And I re- I just remember the first time I saw it, I was like, why is this so bomb to me? Like, I don't know why it's speaking to me. But it was, as soon as you said all of that, I just remembered my mouth became a Sahara desert.
1: Oh. I was like, <laughs> I was like Ugh. He was like, I'm getting emotional. Like
0: oh I, I immediately got emotional because like I feel like that was the first time since moving back to Detroit I was like standing in front of an artist who you know was living in this city who was doing active work in the city and just being amazing and being themselves and they told me something just that real mm-hmm. and that you know that just of uh, so much substance and I think that's Thank what you. I've always wanted. I mean we talked about that earlier today. You know that's something I've always wanted just be around substance yeah. and something that matters. You know to make me feel like I you know belong and matter something. Somewhere. and it's, it's crazy to me because
1: <sighs> it was it was it was nice it was overwhelming like was. we talked about the art and you know Justin is just <laughs> fanboying to the max <laughs> and he definitely got emotional in oh, yeah. some cases probably cried yeah you you definitely did oh, yeah, I, I was yeah. like oh my god I've never like been yeah. in the situation before but like he was so nice so it wasn't like I was like weirded out or anything I was just like and really, was really
0: hoping you weren't because that's a whole I think I told you that earlier like, <laughs> the thing we, we went out to eat earlier and like the thing when you like you're a black man and you just want to like pour so much love and appreciation on a woman it's hard because like you know A woman, nine times out of ten, has to keep her guard. I'm like, okay, are you on creep mode? Or are you actually on, like, legitimate appreciation mode? And sometimes I'm just like, listen... I love this about you, but like, I don't know how to like let you know right. that I'm not trying to creep on you. I'm not trying to follow you to your car after dysfunction. I really just want you to know that I love you and I hope you get home safe. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> and it's really hard for me to like get that across like in the first right. meeting. And that's why I was trying so hard. I was like, listen like if i could just like hold on to you and just tell you every single reason why you are great to me like and it was extremely inspirational and so afterwards i just remembered i was like i don't care what we do after this i need to see you again i need to talk right. to right it and worked
1: out dude, it worked out in the end we haven't
0: even known each other for a year right now and you're one of the closest people i have to my heart like <laughs> you like crazy so we went out we went to well Rosa's. it wasn't just
1: that we um So yeah, it was like at the end of the night, you were like, can we be friends? And I was just like, That is my catchphrase, y'all. Can we be (laughs) friends? And I was like, yeah. So I don't think we got each other's number then. I think we just kind of, yeah, we followed each other on social media. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, um, we talked about being foodies. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we exchanged numbers. And then within the month we went out for brunch for the first time and
0: you guys and if you don't know me i'm a big foodie i've been saying this for the past week straight i am 250 pounds in my heart Um, (laughs) i'm actually like 160 (laughs) and extremely like lanky but i love food he loves food. and we like we bonded i think that's what like really strengthened our friendship because we both really love food and yes. good food at that so our very first meeting you know we decided to go out to eat and i remember we talked about it a lot we decided to go to rose's fine food which Please is go. local in detroit very amazing food it's off of jefferson right across from sinbad's it's like right in that area
1: certified organic and locally sourced food. they change their menu seasonally Mm -hmm. all the people in there they all make a living wage which
0: is so important it's
1: just a very great spot Mm -hmm. to support and their food is we were
0: talking about this song after the whole day was said and done Do you remember that song we were talking about
1: that had just came out recently and the song is a collaboration with um, South Korean rapper RM. He's the leader of BTS, and Wale, mm-hmm. and they joined forces. Like RM has, you know, RM has been a fan of Wale for who knows how long, because he's a rapper, but he's also a poet. And he speaks very well, he speaks very well with um, English. He taught himself English. So he did a cover of one of Wale's songs like years ago. And one of their fans kind of like tagged them both on Twitter. And then Wale reached out to the guy was like, hey, do you want to do a collaboration? So they made it happen. And it wasn't just a song about turning up and partying and whatever. It was like a song about social issues, which is why you got to love Wale mm-hmm. and you've got to lo- love RM cuz like BTS they primarily talk about social issues. That's one of the reasons why they're so global now. Mm-hmm. But the song is called Change and Wale talks about police brutality going on in America and racism right now, present day. Mm-hmm. RM talks about how uh, there's so much pressure being a student in south korea Mm -hmm. and how the uh, older generations don't really consider or take seriously the mental states the disorders the diseases that these young kids are going through because of the stress of school and the competition Mm -hmm. of um, when you graduate of getting a job So they're talking about social issues that are close to their hearts and the song is very short but it made me really happy to think that they're both coming from very valid places with their experiences and I can only imagine the discussion that they had in the studio you know, talking to each other about these issues. So they're kind of meeting each other on common ground. And so, yeah, I remember that, Mm. talking about that with you (laughs) and being emotional because that was just so important to me because, I love rm and i love bts and i love wale so bringing those both together Mm -hmm. and talking about stuff that's really important i'm like yes like this is not Mm -hmm. just a club banger about drugs and like fucking bitches which Mm -hmm. i mean that's fine in its own thing when it's appropriate (laughs) but like this is also equally important we need to be hearing Mm -hmm. stuff like this right now yeah so um that was our first day hanging out
0: yeah and then i i remember like i was like damn she opened up real quick. I was like, I feel like I'm doing a good job here. So like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just really trying to make a good friend right now. I do want to listen to that song by RM and Wale. So we can play that real quick and then we can get back into the rest of the conversation a little bit later on. But first, this is RM and Wale, and this is Blacks or Blues.
3: Oh, tell me that talk can never win the lie. Oh, tell me that, rock can never win the ride. Baby, tell me that we gon' somebody stop the fight. And tell me that every everything gon' be a ride. Oh, tell me who's stupid, baby, has a me of them. Just tell me who's insane, baby, has a me of them. In this crazy world, after patient school, we get the pearl. But this world was teaches me, preaches me how to curl. Oh, fuck the school, all oh, we got is. And some visible glasses Divided spaces and for everlasting stresses Everybody's mad Get people with fingers and Twitter. More than a gun, more than another tip With your tongue just glitter Will the pain always oh, when you gay? How could you bet it's damn chicken gay? We're losing the game, homie We're losing too many things What should we tell our sons? You know that they will with the man Like you and me If hope is attached What is
2: yours?
0: What you eat all that is you okay.
4: for my newest deal. Baby girl say the world really hate us, huh? Pray a lot and maybe God give you Saint Laurent. Wish that I could change the world but they hold back. When it's time to go, the people just be mad again. And what if I could change the world? What if when it's time to vote that people turn to mannequins Challenge that lamb June, I'm the man too I'm out with Chevy Chase The teachers used to lampoon. I sing songs, haikus over rap tunes High IQ, looking for a song like Yo, hey Q. yeah I'm trying to keep it 100 Got no faith from the government That's why we need each other, hey Laughing to keep from crying For Lawrence a Rap Monster BCS is the arm. I'ma keep the peace until I see some more peace. I'ma keep it G forever, keep it low key. Take a trip to South Korea with some DC OGs. Chief in OG, I'm Chief in OG. Hated by alt-rights and racist police. Saying, woo woo. Man, 12 coming. It makes me kids really freeze when they set free.
0: talking about like aside from identity i think one thing that i want to say about like our conversations is that we talk a lot about the future in a sense that Mm -hmm. who am i gonna be so i guess that still does apply to identity You know, who am I going to be in the sense of, you know, my love life or my personal spiritual growth or, you know, my career and my place on earth? You know, what are these things going to mean in the future? I just want to know, what do you what's your perspective on that? Like that side of our friendship when it comes to like self-preservation?
1: I don't think I can stress enough the importance of self-care. That is something that I've constantly been struggling with, even though I can preach it to the choir, mm. but it's so different when it's like directed at yourself. Mm. I remember when you were coming to me with your issues, I told you, don't be hard on yourself, take your time, you know, remove yourself from the situation That's if you need to, yeah. and de-stress, you know, everything I, I could think of to inspire you, mm to take care of yourself only for the sake of taking care of yourself. Whether that is burning some incense or taking a bath or just blasting music with a sketchbook or like sitting in your car with the heat on or taking a walk or cleaning, like whatever whatever someone needs to do to make themselves feel good, But also, like, just forget about the present circumstance. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not really going to be shy about my current situation. You know, I am currently in transition when it comes to work. I've been questioning my career path, and I recently just lost my car (laughs) in a hit and run car accident. All of this happening within a month. To
0: an s- ass clown.
1: To an ass clown. Shout
0: out to Sabrina Nelson for that phrase. To, she
1: said, "An ass clown, a s- son of a bitch." Ass That's clown, what she
0: says. Son of a bitch. That's what. If Sabrina any of you said. have ever been involved in a hit and run and you were the victim, you were hit by an ass clown.
1: Son, son of, of a, a bitch. bitch. The life that I built for myself here in Detroit is falling apart, mm-hmm. and it's not sustaining anymore. Mm-hmm. And initially, it was very, very difficult. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't pay rent. Um, I can't pay my other bills. I think I may have to go home. I don't want to go home. I've been independent for too long. Going home makes me feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a failure. I've worked so hard. Blah, 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 (laughs) blah. And you've got the support of your parents. Well, I know not everyone does. I have the support of my parents. Mm -hmm. So I can go home and not be worried. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know I'm not a failure. But, you know, coming to terms with the fact that you know you put so much expectations on yourself to where you're just so hard on yourself when every single little thing goes wrong so that when bigger things go wrong it's just like exponential it's like existential crisis Mm -hmm. fetal position I'm having a mental breakdown in the corner of my bedroom you know it's like a really big deal Mm -hmm. and everything just shuts down and I can't stress the importance of not shutting down It's okay to cry. It's okay.
0: Sometimes it's almost vital
1: to cry. Yeah, it's vital. Get it out. You know, it's okay to want to hit something. I have a stuffed teddy bear. (laughs) It's okay to just sit on your couch and not do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to watch Netflix for like 18 hours, it's okay to do that. Because when you have really big changes that are occurring in your life, that takes time to process. Your whole foundation has been shifted. You know, you're not going to be where you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I've learned through these growing pains, Mm -hmm. these recent growing pains. Things are going to happen unexpectedly. You won't be prepared for them no matter how much you try to prepare yourself for them, Mm. you're not always gonna be prepared. And yeah, it's gonna suck, it's gonna suck fucking ass. (laughs) But I think the important thing to remember is how you react to those things. Because some things will happen out of your control. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to kick and scream and depressed about it mm-hmm. and it's not to say that you shouldn't do that you should totally do that mm-hmm. because it's okay to be angry mm-hmm. it's okay to be sad it's okay to be depressed I know I was I know I still kind of am but I'm, I'm at a point right now where I've realized that feeling this way it's not gonna get me anywhere mm-hmm. you know the past is the past it's happened there's nothing I can do to change it I have to look forward now
0: the, you've been here for six and a half Years. About, yeah. The you can't deny the influence that Detroit has had I on you. I
2: will never
1: deny it. Because
0: you know, it is still, you know, despite, you know, it's time for you to change, it's time for you to move on. And like you even told me that a lot of people are sad that you're leaving. I'm not going to say that I'm happy you're leaving, but I know I'm definitely not sad because I'm your friend and I love you to death and I'll only want you to just soar and be yourself and do great things. So I know you leaving is something that needs to happen. It needs to happen. That'd be selfish of me to say, oh, I really wish we could just stay here and we go to Ema all the time and roses and just eat and Yeah, some people are like...
1: are you sure this is what you want no. oh I got another I, I know someone who's no. looking for someone the that's nurse, them this, this, saying I'm like, not sure
0: if this is what I want for right. you I'm like you Yo, know
1: I can't I know you don't want me to leave yeah but I need to go yeah
0: and you're always going to preserve your life first because you know that's that's just a matter of survival but of
1: course. you know
0: we we have experienced things within Detroit together that you know just I feel like it's shaped us within today but I definitely want to ask more about the things that have shaped you within the past six years um you know as an artist and just as a person human so on and so forth but I know one thing that it hit us together is Talani Rose oh my god and I love I love Talani Rose and I love that like things like that exist within Detroit and that is something that you know we have shared together you Mm -hmm. introduced me to to Talani Rose and Sharon and Dale Pryor and I love that place and that for me Acts as a, a cultural hub, very small one within the city, Midtown. Um, that is of healing mm-hmm. and of growth, and sh- they go through a lot. Yeah. They are going through a lot, and I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first place that you know we kind of went to together and experienced that kind of uh,
1: <sighs> that energy.
0: Is colloquial the right word? Colloquial energy? I don't think so. I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. I'm not it could English It can be whatever college. you want. Jessica. It's whatever I want because it's my show. There you go. But yeah, so tell us about Talani Rose and how you, I love the way you, I was at home editing a podcast, oddly enough, and I just remember you called me, you like, Justin. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah.
2: Like, you told me about it."
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Talani Rose is definitely a place that I like to visit whenever I am able. Mm-hmm. Um, Talani Rose is a small boutique shop here in Midtown Detroit. It's off of Cass. It's on Cass Corridor. And it's a small kind of like, what'd you say, self-care and trinkets? Yeah, They self-care. sell things like soaps yeah. and candles and incense. Mm-hmm. and a Little
0: boutique.
1: A Little, you know little boutique shop down in uh, Midtown Detroit, (laughs) Black-owned, Because that's always important. That's always important. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's run by Sharon Pryor. Mm -hmm. Sharon Pryor is a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. The best. She has so much love for the city. Mm -hmm. She grew up here and so much love for just black people. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And she especially loves talking to young black people. She does. So it's like she's always happy whenever you go in or I go in mm. or we come in together. Because mm-hmm. there's always something for us to talk about. Yeah, always. Always something for us to talk about. And I remember the first day I met Sharon was earlier this year. It must have been like April. Mm. It wasn't, I don't think it was that long after we went on our Mm-mm. nature, nature trip. I remember you called me and you told yeah, me it about it. Yeah, it was maybe it. like a week or two after. Mm. And I was in the area after work one day and i had seen this space past it all the time and i just decided to walk in Mm -hmm. and the shop was empty except for sharon and this other woman who was a friend of hers her name was awet i just remember that she was this woman i think she's ethiopian
0: I think I met Awet recently yeah. as well. She like, her eyes are very distinctive. I yeah, love her she's eyes. Yeah, very, very yep, distinctive. I know who Awet very is. Very
1: distinctive Ethiopian yep. features. Hi Awet,
0: if you're listening,
1: probably not, <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> But they were talking about just black issues mm-hmm. as I came in the store. So I'm like listening to them as I'm browsing. Mm-hmm. And then as I got closer to the counter where they were in the back, A wet invited me into the conversation, Mm -hmm. and what turned into just a quick peek turned into an hour of us just discussing Mm -hmm. racial injustices going on in this country. It's the most beautiful
0: wormhole you could ever fall into.
1: And yeah, and (laughs) I developed a very like, wow, Mm -hmm. this is literally a hidden gem. It is. And I got to know wet a little bit, and mm-hmm. then I got to know Sharon, and mm-hmm. then I started coming back.
0: And what was that conversation? Because I remember you told me about the conversation when you first called me. I believe it was something to do with, like, uh...
1: <sighs> Basically, it had to do with how people, especially here in America, mm-hmm. because, like, if you go to other countries in the world, they'll say you're American.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or if you're black, you come from Africa, they say you're African.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Here, we are African-American. Mm-hmm. And the way that the term is used, it's like you're a secondary citizen, yeah, second-class no, citizen. Yeah. You know, you're the other. You are less than. And we were just discussing how problematic that is, Yeah. you know? and a was talking about how she's had experiences like because Awet she's in europe like mm-hmm. she lives in europe she speaks italian and whatever and she was talking about how like she went to miami and they went to you know some italian restaurant and they were discriminated against
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know by italians italians serving them and it's not like it's not just an american problem it is a worldwide mm-hmm. problem like how being black blackness means other mm-hmm. which is very unfortunate and we can always talk about social change this is what needs to happen this is what is happening but no one wants to hear that mm-hmm. because the second you do that becomes a oh this is reverse racism oh this why is everything about race oh, oh. to that oh.
0: <laughs> i would direct that shit face ass clown <laughs> um, to the nearest door because yeah, I yeah, just I don't have the energy to educate energy you either. on why. And
1: it was funny because um, <laughs> in the middle of this very enlightening and refreshing conversation I was having with these fabulous black women, yes, uh, a white guy came into the shop
0: I remember you said that.
1: And we all just kind of like <laughs> ceased like. talking and like looked at him mm-hmm. and he came in and he was in there for maybe 15 seconds just like didn't even like really look at anything peeping his
0: head in like "Hmm, peeping his
1: head in how can
0: i gentrify this further
1: oh i cannot okay well thank you very much close the door and then we kind of just went back to our conversation because we knew
0: you don't have any lattes in here do you uh, yeah is there a bike shop in the back uh
1: no i can't help you sir sorry so um but yeah sharon is fabulous she's Mm -hmm. wonderful i've come to grow really really fond of her I see her whenever I can, yeah. and her mother is also there. Adele Pryor is a very well-known, esteemed artist here in Detroit. She kind of launched the artist movement here in Detroit back in like the 60s. She is this older black woman. She has a fabulous afro. It's like pure white and she wears like colorful headbands all the literally
0: time. like just imagine the moon on top of this beautiful black woman's yeah. head as she sits
1: and tells you things surrounded you have, by all you, this
0: beautiful art alone yeah. just quietly you walk up to her and she's like you need to get a little bit closer because i can't see who you are <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, when yeah. you get closer you are just automatically just like embodied by this like earth real presence of just like black excellence and just knowledge i remember the very first piece of wisdom she ever gave me was just enjoy life enjoy life and i'm like wow
1: you definitely have more of a relationship with her than i do
0: Yeah, you know and it's hard because like she once she vaguely remembers me
1: yeah
0: (laughs) but like i've gotten to the point like the flower pot in my kitchen mm-hmm. is from her she yep. gave me that i have a bunch of sketch paper in my closet that she gave me mm-hmm. and like when she was clearing out that space you know because of gentrification gentrification she uh yeah, we'll touch on that
1: in a second
0: she she was like well, do you want that antique lamp over there you know any other artist would just repurpose it and i'm like dale you not about to make me take this lamp i don't want it <laughs> she's because i like how she she's like any other artists would. i was like listen i don't listen. want it <laughs> No. And and Darius was with me. He was like, "I like how she worded that. Like trying to make you seem like if you don't take it, you ain't the kind of artist." I'm like, "Nah, Dale was slick. I don't want that lamp. She was just trying to get everything out of that room, which I was like, I feel so bad. I was but like, I don't want it. I was like, I'll take a plant or two. I don't know,
1: but I
0: don't want it. <laughs> but yeah. So. As lovely and great as that place is, unfortunately, it is off of the corner of Cass and.
1: I think it's Willis. Cass and Willis. Cass and Willis. It's right by Avalon, the original Avalon Bakery, and um, they're dealing with gentrification. Heavy. People who are not aware of what's happening in Detroit right now. There is a lot of hubbub about Detroit is undergoing a resurgence. Mm -hmm. You know, Detroit is coming back. And in a way it is. It is. But you know, for a it's a, it's a great thing, people. but it's a it's a very sad thing yes. because you know, they're putting a lot of money into the city that I personally feel is ill spent. Mm-hmm. The money could go towards uh, education, yeah, you know, not we a... have a lot of impoverished schools and um, you know, like just housing. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's there's I'm not going to get all up in it, but There is a lot more, um, there are better things that that money could be going towards Mm. and they're constantly going towards businesses. But anyway, so talk back to gentrification. A lot of businesses are coming up here in Detroit. A lot of money is going into the city, but not the people of the city. Mm -hmm. And it's attracting suburbanites. Mm. People are moving into the city Prices of uh, the cost of living is going up. Uh, And you know, this city is a black city. Mm. And it's not to say that there's anything against white folks, but there's a lot of, yeah. yeah, it's a historically black city. In this city, you don't really find a lot of, like, commercially owned businesses. Everything is, a lot of things are locally owned. mom and pop. Support your locally owned businesses, your black businesses. And because of all these changes, we have gentrification occurring. We have big corporate businesses forcing smaller black businesses out and it's very unfortunate to see that Sharon, someone that we really care for, she is not exempt from this. Mm-hmm. She is recently going through this. Mm-hmm. And it's just very heartbreaking to see that the space that she once had, you know, she's been forced into a smaller space yeah. and the space that she once had is being transformed into a bar
0: of all things of all things there's literally a bar 5 minutes away from the bar that they're building
1: it's not even 5 minutes yet it's probably like 2 not 3 even, minutes yeah,
0: baltimore right around the corner
1: and then the old miami is in the other direction and it's just like how many more bars do we need
0: and it's it's also it doesn't
1: it's ill placed yeah, it it's is it's ill placed like in that little like cluster of shops mm-hmm. there i could see if it was on the other side yeah. by the jolly pumpkin mm-hmm. but it's ill placed And it just feels like the energy that was there you know it's very pure and wholesome and humble and just very clean energy Mm -hmm. just because of the person that she is the businesswoman that she is the type of merchandise that she's selling and it feels like that energy has been defiled Mm -hmm. for alcohol and drunk people
0: yeah white frat men and and
1: So, we love Sharon very much. I did say goodbye to her on Thursday. She was very sad that I was leaving. But Sharon was definitely one of those people that I wanted to see before I left. And she was like, you better keep in touch. I was like, yes, Sharon, you know
0: I will. You got to order that body butter.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But um, that's to talk on our love for Sharon and Tulani Rose and... Touching a little bit on gentrification. Gentrification is one of the reasons why I really don't want to be here anymore. It's unfortunate that being here for as long as I've been here, you know, I've kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. A lot of issues that have arisen within the past few years, I never really felt like they seriously affected me mm-hmm. because I'm not. Even though I live here, I'm not from here. And I don't plan to stay here. This is not my city. I've never claimed this to be my city. Mm. And that sounds really shitty. It is what it is. But I still feel for the people who I've come to love who do claim this city. Mm. This is their city. They were born and raised here. This is all they know. And seeing the gentrification, seeing prices of housing go up, seeing that these schools are not getting any type of funding and it's seeing all these, you know, people who you can tell they don't belong here or they're not from the city. It's not to say that Detroit, no one can come to Detroit. That's not what I'm saying at all, but seeing that vivid, the blatant act of it being taken over and there's nothing that can be done to help the little people, the people who are considered not important, the poor people you know when no one really gave a shit about them even when no one was interested in this city it's really really sad
0: I just want to let you know how appreciative I am to have you here like thank you so much I just never thought the same woman I walked up to fangirling over would ever be on this show with me this thing started in my car and then when I actively met you it was just in my grandma's spare room at her house which also was my bedroom at the time you've
1: come a long way yeah, in now, such a short amount of time and
0: now we're in my blacks of blue studio and uh
1: aka his apartment y'all yeah, 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 yeah. we moved to mid here like two months Moving
0: ago on up to the top ish side of detroit
1: just say top <laughs> to make yeah. you feel better top hell yeah yeah um
0: The only thing I can think to, like, ask you, I got two questions for you Mm -hmm. before we, like, wrap it up and get on up out of here. One kind of propagates the wrapping up session. But uh, I think one thing I always kind of like to ask black people, because the question, the thing is about blackness is it's not I almost said ever changing. It's not. Well, it's kind of ever changing, but also it's very subjective because there are so many different experiences across the diaspora that uh, basically... Say what blackness is. Blackness isn't just one thing, but people for some reason still continue to ask what blackness means and what it is. So, what is your blackness to what you? What is my blackness to what me? Is, yeah, what is yeah? What does that mean to you? I think that's a really good thing to encapsulate everything we've gone over. What is your blackness
1: to you? This kind of reminds me of a question that someone asked me um, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. but it was more towards me as an artist, mm-hmm. as a designer. And I feel like I should say the same thing for this because it all implies it encompasses everything. Infinity.
2: Mm.
1: Infinity, because if you take all that out of the question, I'm still me. Mm. If you take me out of the question, then it doesn't count. Mm. Like I am me and (laughs) that's it. Yeah, that's all it is. And I don't want to say like something cheesy, like, oh, everlasting, like, blah, 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 blah. But like, I'm kind of looking at it from the imprint that I leave behind. Mm -hmm. I want my impression, my work, whatever impact that I have on you or someone else or my grandkids or whatever. I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. But. I want that to be infinite. Mm -hmm. I want it to say that I was here. Mm -hmm. You know, I was here and I did this and I said that and I made so-and-so feel this way. And I know you said you're focusing it more on blackness. Mm -hmm. I don't really consider myself like, my blackness separate from me. Like, mm-hmm. I like it is me, mm-hmm. you know? And it wouldn't be anything else. Mm-hmm. It can't be anything else. I can't give you anything else. It mm-hmm. just is. And even when I'm long gone, it's still going to be is. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you can't erase the fact that I was here. So that's kind of how i feel mm-hmm. about it i like that you know you like can't erase
0: you and can't erase the blackness
1: you can't erase the blackness and you can't erase me mm-hmm. you know like i it's kind of like when you leave a, sn- a print in the snow mm-hmm. and then it covers up the, the snow falls and covers up the print that's printed still there mm-hmm. even if you can't see it mm-hmm. that's kind of how i feel about it
0: mm-hmm. Okay, that was, I don't think, I don't know if y'all were ready for that. I don't really think I was fully ready for that, but.
1: I, I wonder if you feel that way anytime you ask me like a really deep question. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you just be, ooh, what she gonna say this time? Yeah,
0: I low-key, I always think of just deep questions to ask you to see how you gonna continually just drive me crazy and make me so happy to know you. <laughs> I don't really. What other deep question can I ask you? Why is the sky blue? I ain't gonna do that to you. Mm-mm-mm. Is there anything else you would like to add uh, to summarize this whole beautiful amazing experience you finally being on this show
1: only that you had one more question you said you had two questions oh that was
0: my last question you want anything.
1: Really oh look at me being dumb <laughs> well I really loved being on this show yeah. you've talked about me so much in some of your other <laughs> podcasts and I'm finally here. Oh, I'm so I feel glad. like you've kind of set the stage for me. And I just hope I did it justice.
0: You did amazing. Like, I Aww. couldn't ask for anything better. Like, it was just it was, it was a great kicker session. This really was good.
1: Was. We killed it. Yeah, we High did. five.
0: Hey. Hell yeah. Leah. Yes. I love you so much. I love you Thank too. you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I can't believe y'all, like, this is kind of like possibly the last, like, chill out session that I'm going to have with this woman for a while. Because she's a moving while. away. And she decided to do this with me. And this is so important because I'm kind of documenting this time in our life. And I'm just, I'm surprised I'm not crying. I'm just very happy. I feel whole. You I didn't cry wash, after we yeah. turn off the mics. So. I didn't wash my clothes or cook dinner for myself today, but I feel like I had an extremely productive and wholesome Sunday afternoon. Aww, and that's, that's all really that matters nice. to me. Yeah, we I'm had glad. tea and everything. So thank you so much for being on Blacks of Blues. Once again, this is Leah Samore. Hey. And I am your host as always, Justin Jones on Blacks or Blues And this is what it sounds like to be black and with the blues I got,
5: I got, I I got place to go like they feelin' my pain I got I got, I got, I got, I got place to go they feeling my pain I got a place to go I feel like We should get together Then maybe I I'll feel so much better And this rainy weather ain't helping Boys in leather jackets They are walking by yeah, they remind me How tired of it I just wanna home. Ain't no this, yeah. I just wanna call it quits I'ma quit this While he's out there taking his I just need someone to break This wall of bricks I feel, yeah So I wanna know What's the weather like in Toronto This time I think it should be so I can't be here no more, no more I got, I got, I got, I got place to go Acting go. like they feelin' my pain, my pain I got a place to go, go It's a business, yeah Everyone is making hits I just wanna take